Welcome to episode 7 of our podcast. Our guest today is part of Expo Caster, one of the largest cooperatives based in Minas Gerais, Serrado, selling an average of 1 million bags of coffee per year. Join us today, Claudio Ribeiro, coffee trader focused on both domestic and foreign markets. With more than two decades of career in the market, he has already acquired deep experience in areas such as quality, logistics and trading. Today, he will give us his vision on the current situation of coffee in the Cerrado, the Brazilian crop, stocks, global climate scenario and perspectives for the future. This interview has been translated from Portuguese. Claudio, thank you very much for accepting this invitation. I think that, first of all, before we start talking about the market, talking about technical subjects, I think it's good that we can start talking about you first. Right, so who is Claudio? Can you talk more about yourself? So, so can you provide us more information about your career, your journey, what brought you into coffee? Claudio replies. Perfeito. Então, uh, meu nome é Claudio Castelo Branco Ribeiro Filho. Uh, sou nascido em Santos. Yes. So my name is Claudio Castelo Branco Ribeiro Filho. I am born in Santos. And I started my professional career in my hometown, Santos, at the end of the 90s. I was always attracted uh, by the foreign trade, having this contact with all the other countries, other cultures, other languages. And as I said, I'm originally from Santos, and the coffee market in Santos is huge, uh, mainly because of the uh, Santos port, which flows a large portion of the Brazilian coffee. So in terms, not only, but all, not only in terms of logistics, but also in terms of trading. So I started to visualize this market when I was younger. Uh, I don't even need to make comments. Santos has a whole history, uh, formation of railroad in Brazil. So it was a combination of this desire to know a little more about different cultures, different languages, with the opportunities that my hometown city had to offer. Then I started in international relations, focused on college. Uh, and at the first year of college, I already started in the coffee market. I have always had a concept that in order to sell what we are going to work with, in this case, our raw material is coffee, I need to know the product. So that's where I actually started. I worked in an international brokerage in Santos to the quality area to know the product. But it's not enough just to know the product. You really need to know the logistics because of the supply chain. That's when I went to logistics and from logistics, I went to the commercial side. Uh, the trading area has always been my dream. From the beginning of college, uh, the beginning of my professional career, uh, being a trader was my final goal. But I knew that for this trading career, I would need this technical and logistical understanding of the product. That's when I uh, really made this journey starting in the International Coffee Brokerage in, in Santos and later going through three multinational companies until reaching the the my role today in Expo Caster at the end of 2018. Today, in fact, I'm one of Expo Caster's traders. We focus on destinations aimed at the foreign market and also in the domestic market. So we have a desk made of made up of commercial coffees and also specialty coffees. Igor replies. Perfect. So you started with an inclination towards coffee because you were there in Santos, right? Santos uh, has Brazil's main coffee port now. I also wanted you to talk more about the role you play in playing Expo Caster. Can you talk 
a little more about about it so that people understand what Expocaster is, what it is, its size, how it is positioned within the supply chain. Cloud replies. Uh, hoje so, Expocaster is a cooperative of tá? coffee growers uh, in the Sahad. Today we have approximately 670 members, all of them from the Sahad Dominator region. And the company was established in 90, uh, 1997, starting with warehousing services. And from 2002 uh, and 2003, with uh, commercial services. Today, in fact, we sell more than 1 million bags a year, 40% to the foreign market, 60% to the domestic market. But when I talk about the domestic market, I should point out that many of our coffees sold domestically are going to be exported. So I would say that indirectly today, basically 85% of our total volume goes abroad. Uh, the region of Cerrado is very well known, uh, not only, as I said, in terms of production, but also in terms of quality. Our main goal and focus is to be the extension of the producer. So we have more than 600 cooperative members. We have this interconnection with the field producer, the farmer. Uh, we are a certified company with international certifications such as 4C, organic coffees, fair trade. As a structure, uh, we have three special coffee units for a capacity of 500,000 bags and another warehouse focused only on commercial coffees for another 500,000 bags. So all, today our storage capacity is 1 million bags. We have also prog programs, some quality programs. Uh, And uh, we can talk about quality. We also have a program for new generations and traditional lines of coffee. We have a whole marketing and quality program aimed at the producer. So at the end of the day, our function is to be the extension of the producer in the Serra do Mineiro. We are the largest cooperative in the region. We also, as I said, we are also exporters. Today we trade in practically all continents. Uh, we are present in more than 35 countries. We have sustainability programs such as ASG or organic coffee. We have uh, regenerative agriculture, carbon neutral or reduction. We have a whole structure aimed at assisting the producer. Consequently, this extension of the producer, the way he produces his coffee, uh, as I said, not only for the domestic market, but for the Uh, external market. We are this extension, this bridge from the field to the cup. And today here at Expo Caster, I'm one of the traders. I am focused on foreign and domestic markets. Today the trading desk here is uh, composed of three people, being two people on the commercial, uh, commercial coffee, trading commercial coffee, and one person trading specialty coffee. So our main function is the purchase of the cooperative members coffee and consequently the sale of this coffee to our foreign customers. We negotiate with internal and external traders with representatives in Brazil through national and international brokers. In other words, our range is really diversified in terms of destination and everything we negotiate, whether through cooperative members or through merchant companies, we do the hedge on the trading desk. So today, 100% of the coffees we buy, uh, we originate they are hedged, they have their prices locked. So our role here is looking for the best price for the cooperative member. Consequently, 
also go after a better price of this coffee in the destination so it would be the purchase sale hedge physical and uh, also the exchange rate hedge in the control of the entire logistics process Igor replies uh, perfect and it's very interesting that you can see the whole proportion right where all the arms of a cooperative can go talking and i, were talk I was talking about this in our last interview with Minnesota, it was pretty clear. Now, moving to your relationship, you mentioned you have uh, a lot of producers on the, under Expo Custer's Wing. Do you also help with storage, agronomy, analyzing the crops? Do you also offer the services? Claudio replies. Yes, we were talking about marketing, we have three agents, so this portfolio of approximately 650-670 producers is divided among the three agents. We also have a purchasing manager, so we give all this assistance to the cooperative member, the marketing assistance, because our main role here uh, is to provide uh, this uh, service to the cooperative member. This commission assistance in the part of the daily chat about the market, but also in the part of purchase by the cooperative and consequently the entire storage service. So all this part of commercialization uh, and technical opinions of the market, we provide to them. We have it all between the three agents. We also have EduCamp, which is a service apart from the cooperative, uh, which is actually a service that works together with Sebrae, where he gives uh, assistance to technical assistance uh, on sustainability to the farmers. So uh, we have a role structure in place that really goes from production to commercialization to trading to storage, uh, everything. Igor replies. Maybe for the ones of us that are based here in Brazil, this might seem quite obvious, but could you talk more about the Cerrado Mineiro region and its importance uh, within Brazil's coffee production? Claudio replies. Yeah, the importance of the region, the Cerrado region, it's not only in terms of production value, which is high, but mainly in terms of quality. So we have high valuable coffees here because of their basic characteristics, uh, drink sweetness. So the main feature of the Cerrado region would be quality itself. So uh, we have excellent coffees here. Uh, and we had clima climatic diversities uh, over the past three to four years. So when we take the entire region as a whole uh, and given this uh, this past years, we're talking about an average of around 5 million bags per year. Uh, and the main problem was the frost last year, uh, making this number lower. It could reach up to 9 million bags in an on-cycle uh, good year. Uh, but we are predicting for this year something closer in this range, around uh, 5 million bags, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Igor replies, getting more into this part of uh, the market and also considering that you have a, a considerable portion that is destined to the domestic market, I would like to know from you how Expocaster has perceived the domestic demand in, 
it's perhaps more than uh, what you you have uh, forecasted. Uh, how's the progress of sales throughout the harvest? And the key question I also have is about Connell. It, it is really getting more space over Arabica as a cheaper alternative. Claudio replies. Uh, considering the current high prices of Arab Arabica, look, I'm actually going to slice this question of yours in two moments before pandemic and post pandemic. Uh, we all know that Brazil today is the second largest consumer market in the world. So, uh, although Brazil is uh, the largest producing, the largest origin, we also can't underestimate our own domestic consumption. Before the pandemic, uh, that is before 2020, we had a growing market in terms of consumption. Uh, so we divide this consumption into outside home and inside home. If you ask me how it was after 2020, in my opinion, in the opinion, I believe that uh, it is shared by the majority of us. Uh, it did not have a decrease in consumption, just as uh, it did also not have a growth in consumption. What actually happened was a migration from outside the house to inside the house. Uh, the coffee was consumed in shops, in bars, in restaurants, in hotels, and, and, and this consumption moved into the house, into the homes of people. So if we take the total volume, we believe that uh, this volume was kept. So there is a great threat to consumption. Now that is called inflation. So from the moment that a uh, little packet of coffee, uh, 500 grams, one kilo, suddenly starts to be compared to uh, one packet of rice or if with food in general, which are essential products for, for our population, then this consumption begins to be threatened. Not because of the pandemic itself, but mainly because of the inflation. So when I talk about the inflationary process, I'm starting to talk about the reopening of the markets post-pandemic. So I sliced it in pand before pandemic and post-pandemic. Now with the whole inflationary process. So today we know that the coffee market, the, the value chain is all about cost. Okay, There is demand from national industries uh, before pandemic, post-pandemic. They, they continue to buy they continue to demand this coffee and consequently Brazil continues to consume. Uh, but the colonial market has lower cost than Arabica, not only in terms of production, but in terms of marketing. So the colonial ends up gaining market, not only here in Brazil, but also internationally. Uh, because as I said, everything is about cost. So the roasting, they end up working there uh, with Conlin as with their plan. So they, they end up working with Arabica, Conlin on 50-50, 70-30. So in our view, there is investment in Conlin and consequently there is demand from the industry, from the traders. But there is also no room for losing Arabica. So the Arabica trends continue to grow at the same rate. Of course, having this climate adversities 
that we have been experienced in the last uh, three to four years taken into account. But I believe in Conan on two uh, at the same growing at the same speed or even a little bit higher uh, for the reasons I just mentioned along with Arabica. But I don't believe in replacement like Conilon replacing Arabica. I do believe in an improvement and consequently an increasing production and the market working with uh, both our artists together. Of course, looking at the technical uh, part, uh, it, which is cost and quality. But, but I do believe in a prosperous future for coffee for both of these varieties. Igor says, and it's interesting that you talk about inflation issue because uh, we now have global inflation. Uh, in Brazil specifically, we have uh, inflation with double digit, digits. And I've seen lately this price, uh, this price increase being passed on to the consumer, to the final consumer. And now people are complaining about the price of coffee in the supermarket here in Brazil. And I don't know if you uh, ever seen uh, people uh who have nothing to do with the market these days talking on the internet uh, about the price of coffee and they're making memes complaining about the how high is the price and comparing to other products such as Red Bull can you know Claudio replies so in terms this is very interesting really I think in inflation is something to take into account this is very serious uh, and uh I've seen people talk about that as well. And when inflation starts to threaten consumption is, like I said, when the price of coffee uh, starts to increase uh, up to the level of being compared to prices as, as other essential products. Uh, that would be a moment of leisure, a moment that we would need to sit and have a chat. And we've been receiving visitors here at the cooperative uh, not only internally but also people from other countries the, the questions would always be the same in the past what do you think about the market what do you think uh, about production harvest weather uh, now today what I've been noticing and this is a big change that I've been noticing is People are talking about more about uh, sustainability, uh, regenerative agriculture. Uh, they are talking about carbon neutral neutrality. Uh, even on these visitors, visitors we ask, but so th this is suddenly a market trend. Uh, it is a niche inside the coffee market. So we see the world changing uh, not only in the productive cert sector with all the technologies that exist, but uh, a new generation is coming. Uh, and uh, you can think about this way. People say, uh, look, I drink coffee, but I, I'm not, not just drinking coffee. They want to know who produced this coffee, how it was produced, how, how was this coffee made. So there is a story behind. So looking for all that uh, traceability it just doesn't drink the coffee it's a whole new dynamic of consumption 
So the cooperative has been preparing a lot in relation to this new market demand, this new market trend. Igor replies. And how Expo Caster has been noticing the sales progress throughout the harvest? Uh, what's the feeling among the producers right now? Maybe with higher prices, they're well finished and holding their sales, waiting for a better time to sell. Uh, maybe they have a lack of manpower. I've, I've heard rumors about that, but it's just rumors what they have, what they are. So how's the progress? What, how are you seeing the progress? Claudio replies. Well, talking about this crop, we are obviously a bit late, okay? When I say late, uh, I'm talking about Cerrado, when there is delay, in fact. Uh, I don't think we should compare this crop with the high production of 2020 because it really is uh, a super production back then. So let's compare to last year. So if we compare this time of the year with same time last year, we can say that there is a delay. But uh, if we take this month of July and compare it to historic track record, we are not much behind. Uh, there is not just one driver for uh, to justify this. Uh, there are many reasons. But what I can say is that Producers are harvesting their coffees. There is coffee flowing into the warehouses. Uh, they're negotiating this coffee. So everything is flowing accordingly. And right now, uh, many are taking advantage of prices. Others aren't. But what we as a cooperative pass to the, our members, to our producers, is participation. Trying to always be participating in the market is very important. Not only thinking in terms of uh, short-term sentiment, like, hey, I saw, I think the market will go up or I think the market will go down, therefore I will sell or therefore I will hold. No, that these are not the best practices. So what we do at the desk and we talk to, to, to the agent, agents, the purchasing manager to pass on to the producers is uh, market participation. Because when producers are constantly participating in the market, they can uh, slowly fix the cost, their cost of production that they have up front. And if market uh, goes north or south, they will be hedged. And that's what we have been talking a lot with producers with our cooperative members. Keyword is participation. So for the 22 crop, yes, there is participation taking place and mainly because of prices that are still high. But that there's also a little bit of caution with regards to uh, production. Everyone was really afraid because of the Cerrado region and the city of Patrocinio was hit hard by frost and drought last year. So there was a consensus of prices versus reality. So we tried to make this balance with the producer, trying to instruct and talk directly with them about the best way to sell their volumes in a way that their costs and needs are satisfied. Perfect. And you ended up answering what I already got ahead of a question. I was going to ask you what's your advice for 
the producers. So it's participation. It is quite intuitive because the market is very uncertain. Basically, two and a half years ago, nobody would predict that the whole world would wear a mask. Then suddenly nobody, nobody was going to predict that Russia would attack Ukraine either. Uh, same thing about the frost last year. Claudio says... Em termos de em termos de preço, muitos aproveitaram os preços. Yeah, so the message that we give to our members, uh, what we talk about on a daily basis, is this participation. Always participate a little in the market. Never wait for the market. Oh, I think the market will go up, or I think the market will go down. Make averages based on what the market has been presenting. Igor says. Interestingly, this is basically what I've been hearing from other traders, from other cooperatives. And, uh, and I speak for myself, for me, this is what makes more sense too. And already hooking up uh, to this one, to the subject of producers and taking advantage of, of, of prices. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what is the feeling that you're noticing among the producers? about Brazil's production, the market, the climate. Claudio answers. Well, despite all the adversities that we had in weather, uh, everyone is very optimistic. Because the market is not just about last year and this year. We can't just look at the harvest moment of hardship uh, and think that Every year is going to be like this because every year there is a new harvest. So there's production, there's new volume. Uh, there is coffee flowing to destinations. So everyone is highly optimistic for next year's production. Uh, no, we didn't see any weather conditions or any weather forecasts saying otherwise. At the point we are in the Brazilian winter right now, there's no frost risk. There's no uh, risk of frost being displayed in any um, weather models. So this is a, a highly positive uh, for the coffee plants. And so the overall look obvious, obviously requires attention at the present. But at the same time, we have optimism for the future. As long as nothing happens, as long as we don't get any major hits from weather, uh, we will have a great production next year. So uh, we are optimistic on that for 2003. So that's the focus. At present, we are looking at things very carefully, but there's an optimistic outlook for the future. Igor says. And taking the hook on this uh Still in the subject, you spoke on the climate scenario there. You spoke of frost. Uh, Brazil is currently in the winter season, so we have an associated uh, frost risk. But so far, any forecasts uh, are not pointing out anything. And anything other than that would be would just be too far away to give any, any solid forecast. But we also have the precipitation scenario. The rains are set to come back in October, but so far the growing areas in Brazil have been really dry. Uh, this is the dry season we know, but could you give us an overview of that? Claudio replies. A agricultura, 
uh, no nosso caso, a produção de café é uma indústria a céu aberto. Look at agriculture, então, in our case, uh, coffee production is an open air industry. So, as you said, we are really at the mercy of these climatic adversities. At the same time that they can give joy, they also give affliction sometimes. The coffee market tends to turn into a wetter market around June, July and August. So these are the months that market participants tend to be a bit more nervous than usual, let's say. And adding up to weather, we also have harvesting taking place this same months, deliveries of physical coffee. And these are the months where the Northern Hemisphere is usually going on vacation, right? So these are some crucial drivers to consider. And when we talk about precipitation, there is climate concern uh, from a long-term perspective because we're seeing weather changes. For the last uh, three, four years, we had an overall scenario of lack of rains uh, turning into a problem of weather deficit in the past. So at the same time, we suffered last year so with drought, so there is trauma, so uh, recent bias that farmers and market participants in general still have in their minds. Regarding the rains, we had a highly rainy summer this year. We had rains at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year, so we accumulated a high volume of rains, uh, way above the average here in, in the Cerrado region. Uh, so this was the summer sponsorship, let's say. Now, it hasn't rained for about two months, about 70 days, but it is normal for the region not to rain across the harvest period. And this is actually likable because this gives an advantage to producers as they can harvest their coffees without any adversity in case of rain. And really, when it has to rain is not now, it's in October, September. Let it rain in these months so that we have a good flowering process to the 23 crop. But we haven't heard anything bad yet. Regarding the lack of rain, uh, we do work with Allard every year, but we don't have anything that really confirms anything bad coming at this point. Igor says. And one thing that we can know already because it is in the past is how it has been the climate balance there in Cerrado. So considering the high rates from the summer, the beginning of the year, and also considering this past months of dryness, what considerations do you have regarding uh, this crop, especially in Cerrado? Claudio says. Uh, nós tivemos uh, quantidades pluviométricas, quantidade de chuvas bem abaixo do esperado. E isso obviamente causou sim estresse. Well, like I said in the uh, last year we suffered from drought, so we had already a really critical situation of water deficit. But that was reduced by the rains from last year, end of last year, beginning this year. The situation is not comfortable, okay? It will depend a lot on the conditions ahead of us, uh, the, the next rainy season. But like I said, lots of drought problems in the last four years. Uh, the amount of rain was much lower than expected. 
and this obviously did cause stress on the plants again in this past years uh, but I wouldn't say that we are in a comfortable situation right now same way as I also wouldn't say we're in a critical situation so overall we're leaning towards neutrality again this is not a worrying situation but it's also not a comfortable one uh, what it requires is a follow-up especially now as I said in the second semester and in the beginning of the next year we really need an answer to that question uh, in the coming months October and ahead to uh, to know if the 23 crop will have a good flowering by uh, receiving good rainfall rates. Igor replies. Perfect. And I believe you summarized it. You managed to summarize this whole idea very well. And changing the subject now, still on the market, but going to stocks. What's your perception of global stocks and the effects of the movement of these stocks in the futures market? For example, the certified stocks, New York in the New York exchange and in the destinations markets such as United States, Europe. What's your view on that? Claudio answers. Nós, nós temos que pensar em vários, em vários itens. When tá? we talk about Não destination só... coffee, we're basically referring to American stocks, European and Asian stocks. We have to think of several items, okay? Not only the pipeline, but also logistics. Uh, in fact, there is a decreasing stock that's already happening if we compare current destination stocks with the track record of the past five years. Uh, so we're experiencing a decrease in global inventories, whether American, European or Asian. But there are still logistical bottlenecks to, to solve. Uh, take for example some of our customers when they ask the cooperative for coffee uh, they need a coffee for a certain period and if we had a situation within the normality of the market and especially in terms of logistics we would be able to give a prompt response but that's not the case so this is a whole post-pandemic process in which there was migration of consumption from outside home to inside home uh, and when there's a situation like this, nobody stops consuming food products. So we had a whole situation of logistical flow stoppage during these past years, and we are still recovering from it. Igor says, So moving to the final questions of our chat, do you have a methodology to analyze the market? Do you guys at the desk, do you have an internal way of looking at the different market drivers? Claudio replies. Então assim, o que nós uh, entendemos aqui na cooperativa, o que nós passamos? Well, uh, the market is very uncertain, so there really isn't a recipe of cake to operate the market. What does exist is an adequate work of methodologies to face both difficulties and opportunities that the market presents. Well, the coffee market is seasonal, and as I, as I said, we don't have a one single pattern, a unique methodology. Of course, we traders, we look at 
consumer market, international and national markets, we look at climate conditions, and yes, we look at stocks, uh, other origins, differentials applied in the market, uh, domestic currency, dollar, uh, so the market is basically a tripod. And we have the price in reais, we have the exchange rate, we have the stock exchange. So on top of this tripod, we are really adapting to what the market presents to the daily, weekly, monthly updates. Uh, so we are basically going to readapt to the realities. When I talk about market uncertainty, we all know that the market presented in a pandemic scenario, the whole world stopped. Central banks uh, start lowering their interest rates to save, trying to save their economies. And what happened is, is some assets, some financial instruments, uh, the most traditional ones, they became less profitable. And invest, investors, they're seeking profitability. And where did they go? To safe havens, such as currencies, such as the dollar, the euro, but also agriculture commodities. And when I talk about agriculture commodities, I'm including coffee. So there was this migration of money to commodities in general. Uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, when they left this fixed income uh, assets and they went to commodities to seek profitability. Now we have this inflationary process in which the big thermometer, I believe, and it's the only one, it's the inter interest rate increases by the central banks to stop this inflation. From this moment, uh, we are now looking for this interest rate increases in Brazil, which is almost at the end. We, we don't know when it would stop, but everything signals that it might be close to an end. And, but also in the entire world, we can also bring an unemployment problem, uh, really economic problem for the country. So we have a high unemployment, uh, high inflation, and uh, not only in Brazil we are, that we are experiencing inflation, uh, but also in the entire world. Here, you can we can mention the fuel prices, the uh, food prices. They are they have been inflating in the in the last year so much, and. Uh, we have also the same process going on in United States and Europe, which are the largest uh, consumers of coffee. So that's why I talk about this readjustment of methodologies. We cannot have just one work methodology because we have the market today. Uh, it is very macro. So the market is very globalized and the analysis needs to be globalized. We can't isolate just one fact. Brazil is going to produce or not, uh, or if there's a frost or if there's not a frost. These are obviously important drivers to consider, but they're not the only ones. We have a war between Russia and Ukraine that will affect the market, the, the demand side, as it did because it is a common market and consumes practically 6 million bags a year, not only from Brazil, but from all over the world. So today, market is interconnected. Uh, with the productive sector, the commercial sector. So you need a much more deep analysis, much more detail depending on the adversities, depending 
of the economy in general. And as I said, doesn't doesn't have a recipe of cake. It's something that's very complex. Igor says. Perfect. And I believe that uh, you've already mentioned the your macroeconomic view. So today we have a very weak real, a very strong dollar. Uh, we also have many other drivers such as weather. Um, and taking the hook here and applying uh, everything you said to the current situation, how do you see the, un the unfolding of the current crop, the 22 crop, and also the next crop, the 23 crop? What's your vision of on these two? Claudio answers. É muito cedo e muito precoce a gente, obviamente, prever Look, the current crop we can't hide. It's a challenging crop, okay? Not just uh, uh, from a coffee situation, but uh, from a whole macroeconomic situation. We have many basic items suffering from inflation. So it's just not a production or issue or just about coffee delivery or, or a marketing issue. Not just uh, on the physical side, on the future side. But as I said, we have a problem with inflation in the world, interest rates, logistical bottlenecks to solve. Some countries are still being affected by the pandemic. It's suddenly, they are reopening. So yes, this is a moment of caution. The current moment, the 22 crop, is a moment of caution. But while it's a moment of caution, we can't stop. There will be continuity of deliveries, continuity of uh physical negotiations, so the market has to continue, despite every moment of caution. But as I said in the beginning, the harvest, the coffee market, it's not limited to this year. Now, we will get to 23. At one point, the market will start to focus its attention on the 23 crop. So, what we would like to pass on as a mad message is not just looking at the adversities present and today, of course, we depend on them, but think about the future also. The market is looking also to the future. Uh, at the same time that we have to apply some uh, techniques, some strategies to overcome this 22 crop and the challenges that it's been presenting, Uh, we have an outlook of growth to 23. So summarizing an answer, the prospects are good for the next year. We had a difficult crop last year. We are experiencing difficulties in the harvest this year. But uh, market is forward-looking. It will continue to produce. It will continue to trade. Consuming won't stop. But as I said, and I repeat, it's a moment of caution. Uh, so in short, that's it. Uh, caution, but at the same time, we can't stop, but with good prospects for the future. Igor says. Perfect. That was the final question I had, but taking advantage of the hook you mentioned there, container, logistics. Uh, it was a big uh, team in the coffee market these days. Are you noticing an improvement, even if gradual there, a slow improvement, or is it stagnated? Claudio says. 
Então, assim, o que nós uh, entendemos aqui na cooperativa, o que nós passamos uh, para os cooperados, como nós well, falamos... going back a little bit, it all started with the pandemic. Because when we talk about container availability, uh, we're also talking about market and prices indirectly. Uh, so the container comes at an, as an import. But there's a whole trade balance, exports, imports of other products. So what happened, it was the, a scenario where some containers were stuck in some countries, while other countries were lacking containers. It wasn't a normal situation of shipments and containers flow. So this really did hit hard the, the coffee market. It's like having your blood flowing through your veins and suddenly you, you make pressure and everything stops. So now when you take your hand off, the flow returns. But it's when we talk about the shipments, it's very disorganized. So things are not balanced yet. So it was very bad and started to get really bad post-pandemic. Uh, started to improve a bit, but then it got worse because of the war in, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, and we can't just speak about Russia and Ukraine. We really need to extend this to other countries. So the situation today, if we compare it to two and a half years ago, two years ago, it's improved, but it's still a bad situation. We cannot rule it out. There are moments uh, and intervals that bookings, shipments, containers flow more, uh, but there are also moments when uh, there's no availability of empty containers, uh, it's hard to book shipments, uh, and suddenly everything gets worse. So today things are still pretty bad, not comfortable, if we compare it to 2019, uh, but it's heading to an improvement, slowly. Uh, we are doing a lot of work uh, to get there. So now it's time for everyone to work together to overcome the challenges, but this logistical crisis is still existing. Accordingly to some logistical sources we have, it can unfortunately last until the end of next year. Igor says, perfect. I think we are able to cover many things in this conversation. Uh, Claudio, thank you so much for your participation. Thank you for accepting having this chat with us. Cláudio Seis. Imagina, Igor, no, eu que agradeço, é, agradeço o convite, agradeço... A... It was my pleasure, thank you for the invitation. And I'm glad that we have this, had this time uh, to talk not only about the professional Cláudio, but, uh, but also to talk about the cooperative and the market. Now, to finish, I would like to leave this message here. Think about the present, but at the same time, don't forget about the future. Thank you for watching our Coffee Trading Academy podcast. Check out our website and subscribe to receive our free and premium coffee market reports. That's www.coffeetradingacademy.com. Again, coffeetradingacademy.com. Good luck with your trading, everyone. This is Igor Bragato signing off.